This podcast will discuss controversial subjects and what some may think is a derogatory way. We fully respect everyone's freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Remedial Sunday School, where we provide our friend Jen with the Sunday school she missed while growing up secular. And I contribute with the colorful commentary. I'm Tanya, a slightly traumatized former Catholic. I'm Claire, born in the Bible Belt and now living in the Midwest. And I'm Jen. I grew up a godless heathen in a happy secular household. I'm looking forward to being traumatized by the same stories that Tanya and Claire were. Solidarity. So you guys, why don't we explain the hows and whys of why we decided to make this podcast? I study medieval art and religion, an occupation in part motivated by never getting the answers I wanted about how women practice Christianity. I saw the Veggie Tales Jonah movie in theaters and may have participated in biblical skits in the backyard with my homeschool friends in kindergarten. I'm also a scholar of medieval art and religion who has been known to drop some innocuous Christian facts in my day-to-day life. And I'm a scholar of pre-modern and early modern Japanese literature and visual culture. I'd like to assure you all that technically I'm a certified smart person, but Japanese studies has not really helped me understand very much about the Bible and other religious things. Thus, I have had my mind blown by some pretty basic knowledge about Jesus stuff that uh, Tanya and Claire have just dropped in everyday conversation. Basically, Claire and I, with a group of circulating guests and friends, will provide Jen with the religious education she missed through the lens of our grown-up scholarly experience. Yes, this shall be the most professional, rigorously academic of all podcasts. As always, sources, interesting images, reading recommendations, and whatever else we think might be hilarious will be posted along with the episode. Have you been missing that awkward passing of the offering plate in church? Have you never felt the awkward sensation of donating your pocket money to the offering plate at church? Or the awkward sensation of dropping your quarters and hearing them roll down the floor of the sanctuary? Have we got a digital solution for you? You can help support the Remedial Sunday School podcast through our Patreon, which has a variety of different tiers, including the summer school option where you help offset our SoundCloud hosting costs and buy snack food for the people we rope into helping us edit this, as well as more involved tiers of support where we'll send you random knickknacks, stickers, etc. Who knows? All the details are on our website. Or if you feel led to help caffeinate your remedial Sunday school teachers, we would love you forever. And you can buy us a coffee at the link to buy us a coffee on our website. As always, thank you. You'll be in our hearts. All right, listeners, today we are going to do our episode on the Song of Songs, aka Tanya has been greatly confused most of her life, where I have thought that it was Psalm of Psalm, but we're not doing Psalms. That's a whole other of one of the poetry books in the Bible. So it's actually the, so I have thought that it has been Psalm of Psalms or maybe Palm of Psalms. This is all due to the fact that they don't actually teach this book in Sunday school as children. Because let me tell you, part of the title shall give it away. This is Psalm of Psalms, biblical porn, Ah, because it is very intense. So this is actually the Song of Solomon, or known as the Song of Songs. It is a love poem in the Bible, a love poem. With love, love poetry. Which is all I love, Jen Valley. And Jen, feel free to compare, especially since I've read the entirety of your dissertation <laughs> and your work on the very erotic love poetry of Edo mm-hmm. period Japan and all of the double entendre metaphors. Mm-hmm. included in it feel free to give your commentary this is really like so much up your alley you're gonna I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. yeah I wrote my notes in the book I said see how it stacks up to Japan <laughs> so the song of Solomon or the song of songs 
is the Bible's only love poem. Mm. And we don't know who wrote it, though some people like in the medieval period when they're writing about this book or yeah, just like later references to it. It's traditionally attributed to the book of Solomon. Its attribution to Solomon comes from the fact that there's several references to Solomon in the poem. Solomon is King David's son. Yes. That explanation would be more helpful if I knew who King David was. <laughs> well, we'll tell you who he is some other time. Uh, he's a he's... He killed Goliath, the giant. Oh, that one! <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen that naked statue, man. <laughs> oh, you mean in my photos? Oh, yeah, you saw his butt, because I sent you the butt the butt squeeze photo this summer. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I uh, I was in Florence this summer with Shelby, who you will remember from Hellplace. And I was doing my own dissertation research, and we went to the Academia in Florence, and I uh, took some slightly fun but pinchy um photos of uh, michelangelo's david it was lovely it was wonderful. oh you know he was paying so attention to that ass so question for the logistics of reading this love poem yes um, the fourth annotated new oxford does not have like the women and the man's different versions are only like listed in the footnotes is that how it is for yours so yes but i mark them so if you want i will just tell you when you speak great like a true man mm-hmm. <laughs> It's great. It's very accurate all around. I feel so immersed already. It's <laughs> funny because it's true. Oh, God. Anyways, but there's several references to Solomon in the poem. And as a preview for our listeners is that... <laughs> so Solomon was known to have a very large harem of women. And currently on our master spreadsheet of potential episode ideas, which we have a shit ton, the first episode of season two is going to be, I've got 99 problems and 700 bitches are definitely one. <laughs> because Solomon supposedly had 700 wives. And if you hear Jen laughing, she definitely came up with that title. <laughs> also, I, did. I just want to point out that you never hear about this in the nope. many arguments for biblical marriage. Nope. Mm. Oh, they leave out the harem mm, part? Nope. I think the Mormons covered it, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure the Mormons very much covered it since, oh, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it, it got referenced at some point. Yeah. Solomon also, I mean, are we going to talk about Bathsheba in that episode? No, because Bathsheba's his mother. We'll talk about Bathsheba at another time. Oh, Bathsheba's right with David. Okay. Just because his mom doesn't mean she couldn't be included in the episode about fucking. That's what I've learned from earlier episodes we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bible sex is weird. I'm so glad you've been paying attention in Sunday school, Jen. So glad. So you know, I'm learning so much. <laughs> Mainly about um, the sexy parts or the sexually awkward parts. You're going to love this episode. You really are. You're going to love it so much. So just for some background, we're hearing the lovers speak to each other back and forth. Like Claire and I said, we're going to read it back and forth. In some aspects, they refer to each other as like sister and brother, but they don't mean that in like a literal sense. I just want to put mm. that out there. Uh, so, so it's not a Luke and Leia situation. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the lovers are supposed to be perhaps Solomon. One of his. One of his many, wives. many concubines or wives. Wives. Or, okay. Yes. All right. Doesn't have a name. Yeah. There is a third speaking voice belonging to the women of Jerusalem, but it's, yeah. Also, pretty much these poems are heavily written and based on Mesopotamian and Egyptian love poetry. And it's also been speculated by some scholars that it originated as a different text that was actually a god and a goddess speaking to each other. So that makes it really more interesting. Mm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? anyways according to introduction of the annotations it says this is no private poem intended for a lover's ears only and invites its readers to participate in the wonder of love along with the women of jerusalem whose presence serves as a reminder that what seems to be a closed dialogue between lovers is indeed addressed to the reader very inviting we love it yeah so uh claire you you're you're ready to go i'm so excited yeah Just tell me when I start and where to stop. I will, like a true man. All right. Chapter one, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. 
Your anointing oils are fragrant. Also, whenever they say love, they mean fucking. And if you're like, oh, is that like a metaphor for something more dirty? Yes, it is. All right. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is perfume poured out. Therefore, the maidens love you. Draw me after you. Let us make haste. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am black and beautiful, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Oh my. Yes. Can we pause and talk about the line black and beautiful real quick? Yes, that's yes, we can. I was going to get to that, but yes, oh, okay. yes, yes. We can go ahead and talk about it now. Pretty much what this means is like her dark skin is that she has been working outdoors in the vineyard. So her skin is tanned mm-hmm. from the sun. Then again, if you are thinking about people who are Middle Eastern exposed mm-hmm. to the sun, then maybe it is a closer, like darker, like black shade. Yeah, it, it mainly is coming from she's got a rock and tan. Nice. One thing to think about is like women who are out working in uh, outdoors and stuff. This is one way that social class was determined in the ancient world, especially like a really good example is if you ever look at the fresco paintings from the Minoan civilization on the Isle of Crete the men and the women have different skin tones and the men kind of have like this reddish tone and the women look very white and pale. And it's because men were outside in the sun working while women, especially higher class women would be indoors protected from the sun. So their skin would be much paler and you'd also be veiled. We also see this in Egyptian sculpture and it like, yes, the dichotomy between like males with darker skin, women with lighter skin shows up even for like, funerary sculptures of men who are like scribes and who would like exclusively work indoors not as laborers Ah. so it was very much like a symbol of kind of like your status so it's very interesting that she is part of this poem but she's obviously not like at the ultimate status because she's working in a vineyard Hmm. i was just wondering if this is kind of the origin of the black is beautiful phrase that like was used in like civil rights movement and like empowerment movements for like women if this was like maybe like the origin of it or also she says like the tents of kadar kadar is a northern arabian tribe whose name means dark and then also they don't know why what the line about her brothers being angry with her mean Hmm. but the fact that she says but my own vineyard I have not kept that here she's probably referring to herself with a very sexualized meaning Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) all right keep reading tell me you whom my soul loves where you pasture your flock and yes that is a double entendre I caught that where you pasture your flock where you make it lie down at noon for why should I be like one who is veiled beside the flocks of your companions If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow the tracks of the flock and pasture your kids beside the shepherd's tent. Can we get some cheesy porno-ish music to be the opening? The thing is about all these poems is that they are meant to be sung. Mm. So that's also why it's like the Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, is that these were sung. I will not (laughs) hurt you. With my singing voice, because let me tell you, it is, Claire has heard plenty of it whenever we drive, because it's one way that I stay awake Mm. when we drive really long times. I also like to sing in my car, but uh, yeah, I shall not sing according to my husband, who is a musician. I am tone deaf, so it's not great. Yeah, so where you pasture your flock is kind of like, there's actually like no word for that in Hebrew, kind of like meaning like, where do you graze? So pretty much this is like meaning that the man grazes or feeds among the lilies and in the gardens, which lilies and gardens are 
um, lady metaphors parts. for women, <laughs> lady parts, and for just women in general. Nice. But yes, we'll get to some lady parts. <laughs> I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are comely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Also, in the ancient world in general, it was very common to compare beautiful women to beautiful horses. Troubling implication in some ways. <laughs> yes, it's a common form of praise in antiquity. So, uh, she's jewels on her cheek. What kind of jewelry would have been like on her face? So, people in this time period actually have their nose pierced and they would have strands going to their ears. Yeah, like chains. Also, like necklaces and stuff that covered your entire neck were very common. If anyone is like, oh man, Tanya has a nose ring, go fuck off. It's biblical, bitch. It's biblical, bitch. Yeah. That's a a sticker, 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 sticker sticker idea. Add it to the sheet. All right. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth his fragrance. And I would like to say my nard is actually just like a, it's like a type of incense, like perfume. Okay. Because that's not it's what not, I assumed you I know. I know. I know. That's why I stopped immediately. <laughs> yes. Nard and myrrh are costly aromatic blended with the natural scent of henna blossoms, which are strongly scented and grow in dense clusters. So it's just very expensive perfumes that like, most people would not be able to mm-hmm. afford. So even though she has dark skin from working in the vineyard, she's like decked out in jewels and perfumes. Isn't nard what Mary Magdalene washed Jesus's feet with? Maybe. Because I thought that's what she carries around in her ointment jar. She's always carrying around in paintings. Maybe. I don't know. It would make a lot of sense. That does make sense. Um, also, uh, I agree. You should wash stinky men's feet with perfume soap uh, (laughs) any type of yeah oh god while the king was on his couch my nard gave forth its fragrance my beloved is to me a bag of myrrh that lies between my breasts my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms and the vineyards of engedi ah you are beautiful my love ah you are beautiful your eyes are doves ah you are beautiful, my beloved, truly lovely. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Claire. Oh, this is where I start? Yes. Chapter two. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his intention toward me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Oh, that his left hand were under my head, and that his right hand embraced me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the wild does, Do not stir up or awaken love until it is ready. Side note, this is a very popular verse in purity culture. Mm. It's the sanctioned verse from the Song of Songs. Yeah, I was going to say. Everything else is censored. Are you picking the fruit of this verse? Yeah, I feel like they're they're, um, very much taking the, um, they're uh, taking out of its context a little bit. Mm-hmm. how original <laughs> i cannot believe it <laughs> <laughs> the voice of my beloved look he comes leaping upon the mountains bounding over the hills my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag look there he stands behind our wall gazing in at the windows looking through the lattice peeping tom alert um mm-hmm. This is some tale of Genji stuff right here. He's always peeping in on the ladies behind fences and stuff. This is your architectural information of the episode, which is latticed windows were very common in the Middle East in this period and even now. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, 
the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the cliff. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on the cleft mountains. I'm going to come in with some footnote facts. Hashtag footnote facts. <laughs> <laughs> on this part where you're just talking about her beloved coming back in the mountains and the young stag and blah, blah, blah. She seems to be saying that the time has come for her lover to return over the mountains from which he came. Cleft mountains could be read as mountains of spices, which is also an allusion to the woman herself and the various pleasures her body offers, perhaps her breast. So... Just keep that in mind if you hear a uh, cleft mountains mm -hmm. or mounds of spices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, if people out there are not familiar with the language and metaphorical speaking and figurative language of poetry, uh, they're all saying that springtime stands for fucking, which is also something you find in Japanese love poetry and erotic poetry. So there you go. Oh, beautiful. Yes, you are a poetry expert. So. <laughs> yep. My, my professional opinion here. <laughs> <laughs> do i keep reading yes yeah. you read chapter three to chapter four and chapter four i shall take over Excellent. in my man voice but not there enough upon my bed at night i sought him whom my soul loves i sought him but found him not i called him but he gave no answer i will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares i will seek him whom my soul loves I sought him, but found him not. The sentinels found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so, doing it at mom and dad's house. <laughs> in their bed. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the wild doves, do not stir up or awaken love until it is ready. And then when it is ready, fuck them in your parents' bed. <laughs> but they don't have that one in the purity culture, do they? <laughs> no, they no. do not. What is that coming up from the wilderness, like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of the merchant? Look, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are sixty mighty men of the mighty men of Israel, all equipped with swords and experts. It's raining men. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's men. I bet they're all equipped with swords as mighty men of Jerusalem. If you I know bet what they're I mean. experts. <laughs> yeah. Expert I'm sure they at are handling the sword. In mm -hmm. war. Hang on, and... hang on, let me <laughs> <laughs> Around it are sixty mighty men of the mighty men of Israel all equipped with swords and expert in war, each with his sword at his thigh because mm -hmm. of alarms by night. King Solomon made himself a palanquin from the wood of Lebanon. He made its posts of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love. Daughters of Jerusalem, come out. Look, O daughters of Zion, at King Solomon, at the crown with which his mother crowned him. On the day of his wedding, on the day of gladness in his heart. <laughs> I bet. I love the fact that they're like each with his sword at his thigh. Mm -hmm. What else is that his thigh? Mm -hmm. I'm just like its interior was inlaid with love. Does that mean someone's been getting funky in the? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. this thing has been uh, oh, yeah. over the inside of his palanquin. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's getting on in his palanquin as he's being carried around. Yeah. Also, a little ostentatious taste. If you ask me again, I don't know. Question the taste of some of these guys. <laughs> it, there's a lot of gold, a lot of jewels, mm -hmm. a lot of silver, a lot of inlaid, a lot of very specific yeah. wood sourced from very specific places. All right. 
chapter four. How beautiful you are, my love. How very beautiful. Your eyes are doves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to draw a picture of that real quick because it's a hell of an image that I really like. (laughs) <laughs> oh you'll get oh oh jen you're about to get a lot more and then i will tell you what they mean but um i do want you to just draw these as they are said so you can draw the 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 beloved okay your eyes are doves behind your veil your hair is like a flock of goats moving down <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> Jen's face. Oh my god. She <laughs> just slowly turned her head and looked like, what? Claire's been and... laughing for two minutes because she knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, goats, you say. <laughs> my, I'm not sure how to take that as a compliment exactly because I don't really... <laughs> oh, let me let me finish. I just... I just all right. <laughs> I'm a man. Let me finish. Ew. <laughs> Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slope of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them is bereaved. So he's saying she has good teeth? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, like a horse. So I will, I will, I will, yes, just like a horse. Yeah, so he's like, so pretty much like the whole thing about like her about the goats moving down the slopes is that means that uh goats were commonly black or dark colored so that she has flowing tresses of wavy black hair so them coming down the uh gilead is a hilly region in northern jordan so that in her hair being like these flock of goats it's like she has these long dark tresses that are just like going down her teeth Pretty much what he's trying to say about the teeth is that they're white and evenly paired with none missing. I mean, it's a good quality to look for. We like having teeth. Yep. All right. He's not done describing this woman. Your lips are like a crimson thread and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David built in courses. On it hang a thousand bucklers, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. I can't, I can't look at Jen when I read this. Yes, um, your two breasts are like the two fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will hasten to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. So uh, to go back to the description... Yeah, I've never heard a pair of tits referred to in uh, terms of deer <laughs> or other. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, uh, we will start with her cheeks as halves of pomegranates. So probably a um, rosy cheek that have been glimpsed through the white, a white mesh veil, maybe like a white, like a, a linen cloth, woven linen cloth. The whole point about her neck being built like the Tower of David, built in courses, like I like I was saying, women of this time period, she's likely is wearing a necklace that is several rows of beads. Yeah. Also by comparing her to the Tower of David evokes this regal her regal quality as there is no such tower in existence. But just kind of comparing her like associating her with David is making her like a like a regal woman i think i've captured so it perfectly <laughs> <laughs> you have to send a picture that is the image for this episode all right ladies um, i'm not sure if you're ever gonna measure up to this this hottie <laughs> um <laughs> also there's the fact that he talks about like your your two breasts are like fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. So the feeding part, which is what they did, like not wanting to like get into like they're not even addressing the breasts. I'm just saying. 
They're not really a priority. Um, so, <laughs> elsewhere, the man is described as feeding among the lilies an erotically suggestive image in which the lilies signify the woman. Yeah, so it's kind of calling back to previous lines about the mountain of myrrh, hill of frankincense as being the woman's breast and the woman herself. And so kind of like this, like being among the lilies is that they are, they're like just like, and this is the place where they're enjoying like their lover's pleasure. That's where they're getting it on and having mm-hmm. a good time. Honestly, I feel like my kind of reading it is that like fawns and twins, the whole thing about fawns and twins um, when it comes to her breasts is just saying that she has like young, supple, evenly matched Mm-hmm. which i will say like not all women yeah i myself am asymmetrical couldn't it also be talking about like the softness of her skin maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe yeah youth and also like probably just like young supple mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to shame the women whose breasts are actually shaped like deer <laughs> 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 i've realized in my previous drawing i forgot to draw goats in her hair so i have added a, a couple of uh accent goats to emphasize her goat like okay. tresses sh- sh- show can you please show us the oh, goats in her yes. hair i mean they're just really small because i like, already kind of committed to the, the <laughs> hair as it is so just, <laughs> your head is like a mountain pasture with goats feeding upon the lovely grasses <laughs> i love it i love it so thank much thank you thank you i don't get to draw too terribly often uh in uh, my day-to-day life so it's always nice to break out you know the drawing well you know you know jen kid. if you want to turn that uh, into a into a colored sticker that we could have printed mm-hmm. please do <laughs> uh you know i'll work on it <laughs> i think that we'll refine be... this i'll get up my art pencils and stuff and really you know re- refine that around and you know <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think some. I, I would love to put that onto a, um, onto a water bottle. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever eat or drink anything while staring at this particular <laughs> image that I've created. Because, uh... but I mean, it'd look lovely on a coffee cup. Indeed. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> or a wine glass, since there's a lot of vineyard talk. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. All right. You ready? She's a babe full of animals. Got it. Indeed. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. And as I said earlier, I know it's it still actually though. mean it's still cringy. It's still fucking cringy. I agree. I agree. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with a glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How sweet is your love, my sister, my bride? How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice? Your lips distill nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The scent of your garments is like the scent of Lebanon. We got very rhymey. Great. It's not very rhymey. It's also, there's a lot of smells that probably come from that area. So I would like a little bit more specificity in terms of what exactly about <laughs> Lebanon is. <laughs> the Most of the time Lebanon. they're referring to cedar wood. Um, oh, yeah. Cedars of Lebanon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The scent of Lebanon is, well, yeah, it's just like the fragrant cedars wood. Big fan of cedar, I guess. Actually, Japan is a big fan of cedar too. They built the uh, shrine to the sun goddess in Ise out of uh, natural Japanese cedar. You have to replace it every 20 years because you don't varnish it. Fun fact. (laughs) A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A garden locked, a fountain sealed. Your channel is an orchard of pomegranates. Hmm. We love pomegranates here. (laughs) I just like that it's like your channel. Yeah. What do you mean by that? The, The little subscript says the meaning of the Hebrew for channel is uncertain. Mm, I'm pretty certain about what it is. <laughs> Your channel is an orchid of pomegranates with all choicest of fruits. Henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon. With all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes. With all chief spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, 
O south wind, blow upon my garden that its fragrance may be wafted abroad. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat his choicest fruits. I will say this whole thing about like the fruits, the saffron, the cinnamon. He was just like describing this private garden metaphor and like kind of like whole garden of uh, edible um, earthly delights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, so. yes. Uh, got that part. All the sexy fruits and flowers. I come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spice. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Claire. I don't recommend milk and wine as a cocktail. I just don't think that that's a pairing. It's not so good. I mean, I haven't tried it. Maybe one of these days. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't knock something gently. Try it's it. It's true. It's true. Having honeycomb with the honey, though. <laughs> yeah, I would totally do. That. Ooh, ooh, you like put down some brie and like a piece mm-hmm. of toast. Exactly. It's uh, it's pretty fantastic. <sighs> the great. beeswax is not as obtrusive as one might think. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, Claire. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I had put off my garment, how could I put it on again? I had bathed my feet, how could I soil them? My beloved thrust his hand into the opening, and my inmost being yearned for him. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh upon the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and was gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. Making their rounds in the city, the sentinels found me. They beat me. They wounded me. (laughs) Well, that seems pretty extreme. (laughs) They They took away my mantle, the sentinels of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him this. I am faint with love. What is your beloved more than another beloved, O fairest among women? What is your beloved more than another? Oh, okay. I think this is the daughters of Jerusalem speaking in like a choir role. What is your beloved more than another beloved, O fairest among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? Okay. Now we're back to... Oh, I would say that this whole part of where she's like, I had put off my garments. How could I put it on again? I feel that so intensely. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like whenever you take your bra off mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you're just like done for the day. And you take your bra off and then people are like, ah, come outside and do things. And you're like, nah. <laughs> I don't want to get showered. Up. I took my bra off. That's... Mm-hmm. that's it's 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 home it's home time so guy comes for a booty call she takes too long to answer the door so he's gone and she tries to go find him and then the guards kick her ass and we just kind of glossed over that part it seems (laughs) not gonna address that part any further i guess nope okay (laughs) uh just seems uh I would not be in the mood anymore if I got, you know, beaten up by a bunch of, you know, guards. It's it's supposed to be a forceful reminder of the perils of love or of the willingness of love to suffer. Forceful reminder, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the guards the- walked up to her and were like, here's a forceful reminder of the perils of love, bitch. God. Okay, so now she's going to go on a long extended <laughs> description of her love. My beloved is all radiant and ruddy, distinguished among ten thousand. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside springs of water, bathed in milk, fitly set. His cheeks are like beds of spices, yielding fragrance. His lips are lilies, distilling liquid myrrh. His arms are rounded gold set with jewels. His body is ivory work encrusted with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set upon bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. 
His speech is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. <laughs> Claire, I take over uh, chapter 6, verse 4, so if you want to read the daughters of Jerusalem. But, uh, Jen, do you have any uh, comments? His body's like ivory work encrusted with sapphire uh where are the sapphires on his body exactly because i'm just imagining like sapphire nips (laughs) i don't know about that but the sapphire um in hebrew it's referring to lapis lazuli which is a precious blue stone that comes from afghanistan Mm -hmm. it's very pretty i'm just curious about like i get the the alabaster and maybe like the pale skin it's just the deep blue coloration on the body that's really kind of throwing me um not sure where to put it her description of a statuesque body made of strong and precious metals expresses his value to her very valuable to her oh yeah i bet have you seen his palanquin Blind with love, ladies Uh (laughs) okay i'm just gonna read the next few verses and then tanya will take over Where has your beloved gone, O fairest among women? Which way has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? The daughters of Jerusalem are jumping on this bandwagon. Like, great, sounds tight. Where is he? (laughs) Okay. She replies, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to pasture his flock in the gardens and to gather lilies. Mm -hmm. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He pastures his flock among the lilies. It's going to his harem, I guess, maybe. The footnote for what Claire just read is, she knows where he is. <laughs> I love a sassy <laughs> translator note. <laughs> she knows where he is. Oh, oh, okay. The garden represents both the woman and the setting for lovemaking. Grazing in the garden and among the lilies are double entendres for erotic play. Yeah, I caught that. Thank you, translator, for that helpful note. I think I could have got it from uh, the rest of the context. I really enjoyed, though, just saying she knows where he is. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> she knows. She knows where a man is. All right. Yeah. What she's saying, where is your beloved? She She's being poetic. She knows. <laughs> you are beautiful as Tirzah, my love. And Tirzah is a city in northern, capital of the northern king, Jerusalem. Just FYI. Mm-hmm. You are beautiful as Tirzah, my love, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Okay, I just would love to have a man tell me that. That'd actually be really great. He's like, don't look at me. I can't. Your eyes just enchant me. That would be great. I also would like to draw a connection to our previous episode on Babylon and how the hot woman was <laughs> likened to a city then. And we're getting another hot woman being likened to a city now. All women are a city. They are. They are indeed. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. Not one among them is bereaved. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. He's just repeating himself. He just doesn't have good content. Like most men. And also a quibble with the translator. Goats travel in herds, not flocks. So. (laughs) (laughs) It's your biology accurate. Still don't know what exactly doves for eyes. I mean, I get it's supposed to be a compliment, but like, I'm not sure exactly. Um, doves in pellucid pools, as though bathed in milk, evoke the pupil, and are surrounded by the wet, milky whiteness of the eye. I'll take the doves. <laughs> that was a gross description. <laughs> queens and 80 concubines and maidens without number my dove my perfect one is the only one the darling of her mother flawless to her that bore her the maiden saw her and called her happy the queens and concubines also and they praised her who is this that looks forth like the dawn fair as the moon bright as the sun terrible as an army with banners i went down to the nut orchard i bet he did (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is either the man's words or a short interruption of his speech by the woman since in verse 13 she is asked to return um 
also the thing is too is right this specific part of the poem that some of the original text is like corrupted and we don't really know so some of this is kind of like pieced together and if you think something kind of cuts off abruptly it's because okay. the that text is missing so just warning that would be weird that would be the only strange thing we would notice <laughs> i went down to the nut orchard to look at the blossoms of the valley to see whether the vines had budded whether the pomegranates were in bloom before i was aware my fancy set me in a chariot beside my prince return return oh shulamite which also could mean the perfect one. Return, return, that we may look upon you. Why should you look upon the Shulamite as upon a dance before two armies? How graceful are your feet in sandals, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle genocide. <laughs> Confused about the bull for the navel. <laughs> Is it an Indy or an Audi? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, parts of the body not normally exposed to view are described in metaphors that are not transparent. Per uh, perhaps navel is a euphemism for vulva. Heaps of wheat suggest the softness and gentle curve of the woman's stomach. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon, by the gate of Bath Ribbon. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. So the neck and the nose are towers. Well, I will say the tower of Lebanon probably means more like a tree, which could be a compliment or could not be. Yeah, that's a little mixed here. Your head crowns you like caramel, and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive. And the tresses. And we should say that Carmel is not caramel, but the um, Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, which overlooks the Mediterranean Sea at Haifa, suggesting mm. the stately way she holds her head. Okay. What were her eyes this time? They were doves. I noticed that. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon by the gate of that ribbon. So means that her eyes are like springs. Your eyes are pools, the same Hebrew word ayin means both eye and spring. Heshbon, east of Jerusalem, and Transjordan, where excavations have revealed the remains of a large reservoir dating from the 9th to 8th centuries BCE. The location of Bath Rabbim, meaning daughter of many, is unknown. Perhaps the significance of Lebanon, when it comes to your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, has to do with a scent. Hmm. That's what you get. I guess her eyes are like holes of spring thread water. Okay. It's a more common metaphor that I've heard for eyeballs and doves, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if there was something significant about the particular spring that seemed to be cited. Yeah, and also saying her locks are like purple, that her hair is so black that it has like a purple sheen, and mm. purple also is a very typical color of royalty during this time period antiquity, pretty much... Throughout antiquity, purple, because they would get it from uh, the snails that and murex dye, these like murex snails. And you would have to like get the snails and murder them and crush them to get the dye out. And supposedly it smelled horrible. Anyways, we can talk about that later, but I didn't know a lot about, about, about the snail dyes. How fair and pleasant you are, oh loved one, delectable maiden. You are stately as a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its branches. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your kisses like the best wine that goes down smoothly, gliding over lips and Tea. uh botanically speaking uh palm trees don't necessarily have branches and also they don't have vines on them neither do apples which is the other fruit that he mentioned these are both that, that one's just like a straight up tree that one would have branches but not the palm tree <laughs> so pretty much um the note is so he says i will climb this is i intend to climb so the man puts him himself in the picture and through a series of images moves closer to the object of his desire so first he must climb the tall palm tree to reach its clusters that represent his lover's breath. Mm -hmm, then, got it. envisioned as great clusters, her breasts become more accessible. So that's where the vines come from. 
No grand vines, though. I know. All right, Claire. I start reading now. Yeah, you go from 10 to verse 14, and then it kind of goes back and forth, so I can take over to close it out. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and over our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I've laid up for you, O oh my beloved. Oh, that you were like a brother to me, who nursed at my mother's breast. If I met you outside, I would kiss you, and no one would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother and into the chamber of the one who bore me. Again? <laughs> <laughs> Is this some pinks that they have on here? So I will read you this uh, note and you are going to maybe throw up in your mouth. So the woman speaks of her desire. Pretty much saying like her lover is so close to her. It's almost like they're related. Oh. Bible people, no. (laughs) Don't do that. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the juice of my pomegranate. Hey, oh. Oh, that his left hand were under my head, and that his right hand embraced me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up or awaken love until it's ready. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Under the apple tree, I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There, she who bore you was in labor. Wait, was it the bed or was it the apple tree? (laughs) (laughs) So so pretty much in labor means like kind of like conceived you. This is where your mother conceived you was under the apple tree. They have a very close relationship with their parents. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty much the woman has aroused her lover in a setting where his mother also enjoyed sexual intimacy. This is disquieting. I love both of your faces. You're both just like, that's great. It's hilarious. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of one's house, it would be utterly scorned. So pretty much like she wants to be intimately and permanently close to him, like a seal he might wear. Remember we were talking about seals earlier in Leviticus? Oh, right, right. Given the various animal metaphors for different parts of the body, I thought it might be like a sea lion kind of seal. Uh, (laughs) I was waiting for like... Honestly, you could go either way. Also, I wouldn't tell God that a love cannot be quenched with a flood because he might say challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) But he promised. You know, maybe this is just a little blasphemous on my part, but I don't necessarily take God promises as being kind of 100% solid. He might find a loophole. He's a clever guy like that. (laughs) But the rainbow, Jen. The rainbow. 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 Mm-hmm. We have a little sister, and she has no breath. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she's spoken for? If she is a wall, we build upon her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I was a wall. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm real diss on the little sister here. <laughs> I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who brings peace. So pretty much... um. She's, like, pulling from, like, this girl, like, younger sibling, um, and says, unlike the girl in her example, for whom preparations will be made when she reaches marriageable age, the woman asserts that she needs no such arrangements, since she has already surrendered to her lover. Mm. So she's not a virgin, so she doesn't need... She doesn't need her walls to be adorned with silver. She's ready to go. Yeah. We can just dispense with a lot of the other arrangements let's just mm-hmm. get it on bro. i thought it was saying that because she was flat chested that like they would compensate for that by just throwing a shitload of jewelry on her and being like oh she's hot and wealthy that way don't look down here look up there also where she says i was a wall and like what i just read about it in the context of a city under stage to bring peace signifies surrender 
So, and to find peace is to have the offer of surrender accepted. All right. We love uh, warfare-based sexy tropes. Mm-hmm. The Middle Ages did. Oh, yeah. You're going to yeah. solve my walls to get to mm-hmm. my tower, don't you? Yeah. Her tower-like yeah. breasts, which is another thing I've never heard in my life. <laughs> That's a way of describing breasts. Well, you need to read medieval things more. Anyways. Oh, is that common in medieval? Do we have, like, tits like towers? They love the song of solomon a lot of medieval romances like use this a ton i'm not an expert in this not my field but we do have to have some sort of metaphorical cloaking of things though because it's too sexy Mm. so we have to have it be instead of between two lovers it's about the love christ has for the church i'm that kind of makes it weirder medieval people not gonna lie this is not that this is straight up porn Anyways, okay. <clears throat> All right, I'm, I'm close to being done. <laughs> All right. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He entrusted the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is for myself. You, O Solomon, may have a thousand, and the keepers of the fruit, two hundred. Oh, you who dwell in the gardens, my companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountain of spice. Remember what I said about mountain of spices mm-hmm. earlier? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. All the right. End. There's a a lot of interesting imagery there that I did not anticipate. Yeah. Did, did you think that you were going to get like a straight up like softcore porn in uh, the Bible? I did not expect it from the Bible. No, I wasn't surprised about like ancient ones because on TikTok, there is like a Mesopotamian like erotic poem that's going around the spicy book editor TikTok (laughs) that I've been following. I was prepared for the milk and honey. I wasn't really prepared for dove eyes and fawn tits and tower. A lot of use of towers for things that were not actually phallic. So uh, why do they leave this one out of Sunday school? So Claire, you said that like in your Sunday school that God would take turns reading passages. Why do you think that a passage of kisses on my mouth was not You know, there's just some things are just better not to. Impressionable middle schoolers are dangerous people to have these (laughs) verses. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I mean, I have these verses and I was a dangerous teen. I did some I did some things when I was a teenager. Well, and the fact that he has to specify kisses of the mouth just means that there's other kinds of kisses too that necessitate Indeed. the specification. Hey, there's a channel later. There's a channel. Mm, a channel that the translator doesn't know what it means, but I, I think we know what it means. <laughs> I guess I have questions that I know kind of already know the answers to about like why this would be kind of... I imagine this isn't widely covered in any church, really. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had fun listening to this for the first time in a public place, with, surrounded by a bunch of people, and me just bursting out laughing at some of these descriptions and sort of a group reading. Definitely in the medieval period, they were they were really into it, and they used it. Like Claire said, like they really talked about like Christ's love and stuff, but also it was part of like secular medieval romances where they would talk about people besieging or besieging their cities and their to get to the towers. And mm. I was always confused once I heard about because I didn't know very much about this Song of Songs because um, it's porn, (laughs) biblical porn. Mm -hmm. And so like when I first like heard about it, I was like, you mean Psalms? Because it sounds really familiar. And if you say it fast, it kind of sounds like Psalms. So Psalm of Psalms? I was like, I remember that in Psalms. And uh, yeah. But those are actually another type of poem uh, verse as well that we will get to Mm -hmm. at some point. Yep. So, Jen, how does this compare to Japanese, dirty Japanese poetry? Yeah, so the stuff that I work on uh, is a little bit more, like, there's some, like, flower imagery, but it's also a little bit more explicit uh, (laughs) in terms of, uh, you don't need as many metaphors for the kind of poetry we're working with. Um, (laughs) Like, it'll directly say, like, this maid is using a dildo on her fellow maid because they are both sex-starved or something like that, and they just... (laughs) want to be fucking but it does remind me of more of the more erotic tinged more courtly poetry that we would get in earlier periods of japanese history what's a burning with desire and all that jazz um this poem or psalm psalm i don't know whatever 
it kind of falls in the middle where it, it's definitely very explicit in some areas, but also very flowery in other areas. So I'm curious for like the intended audience of this for like when it was written, since it says it's it's meant to be public. You're supposed to read it aloud, which, you know, hey, church people, the Bible says that you should read this out loud <laughs> and share it with everyone. It's public. So I think you're doing it a disservice, but not talking about it. It made it into the Bible, right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's okay. canon. It's canon. Yeah, there's, there's not a canon. lot of sermon series about it. It would be fun if there was. God, I would like to sit in on that part. The rationalizations, the intellectual gymnastics that would happen for... Uh, well, it's funny it. that you should say that, Jen. <gasps> um, I googled the Song of Songs, and one of the things that popped up is, what is the main point of the Song of Songs? What is the main point? Are you kidding me? I thought we were all on the same page, but we know what the point is. <laughs> We do, but I'm going to tell you what some okay some Christians think about it. Is. Cool, cool, cool. <clears throat> the song emphasizes greatly the importance of love in a married couple's relationship. Mm, I mean, that's part of it. It's wrong when husbands and wives continuously force each other to do things. They should respect each other because they love each other. Also. The song shows love between one man and one woman. I don't think so. I don't think it does. I'm pretty sure that whole, like, the flock and the garden and the lilies yeah, and everything. The, like, the, some... 80, the 80 wives, 60 yeah, concubines, whatever sort of a... it was. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, that's not what No, I, I, but I think what they're going for there is it's, like, a heteronormative. It's hetero, man. Uh, it can't be entirely hetero if you are having a harem full of women uh, who are together all the time. And, Yeah. You, you, you can't call it strictly hetero yeah uh yeah and then also um according to bible study tools at home some of the commentary is it, it says this book is a divine allegory which represents the love between christ and his church of true believers under figures taken from the relation and affection affection that subsists between a bridegroom and his spouse bride i feel like they're stretching it here between the church and jesus christ which one has the fawn like nipples or breasts or whatever <laughs> i'm just curious where that fits in with the the whole metaphor no 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 no. you don't question the metaphor too much oh i love questioning the metaphor too much <laughs> <laughs> oh supposedly according to this one website it says it has always been received and esteemed by the ancient jews as a valuable part of the sacred writings calling it the quote holy of holies forbidding <laughs> their children to read it because of the sublimity and mysteriousness of it until they were at years to understand it not mysterious or subtle in any way it's very in clear any way, shape or form it's very clear honestly i feel like what probably happened is that there was this like amazing love poem from like ancient egypt or mesopotamia and then someone took it and made it work in the context of solomon and <laughs> judaism in general to make it fit more with the current like zeitgeist Mm -hmm. culture and it just ended up surviving yeah and then people were like where the fuck does this come from what the heck happened here well it talks about Solomon. it's gonna be important yeah i like it though it's fun i got a kick out of it i'm sure other people got a bigger kick out of it <laughs> at some point <laughs> in history <laughs> dead yeah, he's calling the whole thing. It's just an allegory. Mm, BibleStudy.org protests too much, methinks. <laughs> BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com. Sorry. You can just say you're uncomfortable with it. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't mean what we all know it means. Is this all because of Puritans? No, actually, the Puritans were quite sex positive, especially oh, for really? women. I would like to hear more about that. Hang on, I wasn't prepared to talk about that. Oh, that's good. You know, we can make it an episode of Sex Positive Puritans. <laughs> so the Puritans are big fans of the poem. I'm just curious, like, when people started to get weird about the sexy poem in the middle of the Bible. Like, uh, what? when was the turn that happened there? <laughs> Who knows? Honestly, I think that some of it, I think you can blame some of it on... This is just speculation on my part on the Victorians mm. and also the Reformation, but that's just me. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, there was a Oh, there was a free talk in 2016 called Passionate Puritans, Marriage, Love and Sex in 17th Century Massachusetts. 
Mm. That's interesting. But um, okay, bookmark that from for later. Let's learn about sex positive Puritans. Yes, put that. You can add it to our spreadsheet, Claire. Our very long spreadsheet. Okay. This was extremely entertaining and a pleasant diversion of the Bible of people who actually want each other. And it's kind of all like, at least honest on the surface level of like, who's doing what. There's some stuff that I find a little bit weird. Do it in your parents' bed. Do it under the apple tree where your parents did it. Not my vibe. I guess it's theirs. Um, it's very specific fetish. But there's no like tricking anyone to like, I don't know, tricking your father-in-law to have sex with you by dressing up a temple prostitute or something like that or uh, any sort of misleading going on. I-, I liked it. Everyone's having fun here. This is a <laughs> Jen-approved biblical short book poem thing. <laughs> so yeah, well, until our next lesson. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> there was just such a long hesitation. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that part out where I start laughing in the middle of it. No, that's fine. You should keep leaving it in. I think it's funny. <laughs>